something outside. What is that? X Radio listeners, this is Gunnar Monson. I am one of your hosts of Monster X Radio, and I'm also the founder of Sasquatch Coffee Company. Sasquatch Coffee, have you tried it yeti? Go to www.squatchcoffee.com to get yours today. With me today is my good friend and Bigfoot researcher extraordinaire, Mr. Shane Hardcore Corsa. Hey, Gunnar, how's it going? <laughs> it's going good. Just got back from my uh, running into the big city and, and uh, dropping off some Sasquatch coffee for Made in Oregon. So ah, it's town Yeah. Yeah. It's always interesting. The traffic actually wasn't too bad. Weather's good. So um, good day. So, well, it's, it's good now. It's about the, the shift. Uh, I was doing all my, you know, I just got back into town and I've been doing all my yard duties because uh, we're in for some nasty weather next couple of days up here in Washington. I'm sure it's the same down in, in Oregon and on the coast. Yeah, yeah, they're talking rain and wind and weather. So um, it's that time of year. I mean, we've we've lucked out. We've actually not had a whole lot of rain yet. So, but uh, it's it's about to hit. So, well, we're going to talk talk today a little bit about what it, what uh, it's going to take to prove once and for all that Bigfoot is real. And we have a lot of. It, it's funny. It's because it's been on my mind a lot lately. Is like you know what. All this, I, I, it's interesting this year because I've talked to some people in different that have different research areas, and they they claim to know you know where where uh, Bigfoot come from. I mean, directional wise, so well we know that you know they come from de- up up on uh, this this ridge. A lot of times it seems to be a ridge that that. Uh, but I know I know of uh, at least two locations that people have told me that, yeah, we, you know, we, we kind of know where they are, but the challenge is, you know, going up this ridge takes four hours to get there and uh, they come down it like it's nothing. And that of course is the, the challenge, uh, human versus animal. In fact, I mean, deer hunters and elk hunters, bear hunters face the same thing is that, uh, they, they are masters of their environment. They have no problem going up and down ridges where, you know, we struggle to, to get up and down. We're just not built the same way. We don't live in that environment. And they do. So. Yeah. Well, to, to touch upon that point, especially with the ridges, and I, I, I always, one of the things I love to do when I go out to certain areas um, of, of interest and areas that I kind of research in is uh, I always look for the high ground. Um, I, you know, I, I really do believe, and it stands to reason, I think, that Sasquatch loves the high ground, and that they, you're going to find Sasquatch um, in the high ground, in the higher areas. And then if you put yourself in um, a lower location, if Sasquatch is an area, make him check you out. But what goes on in these higher areas, I mean, if you look at camera, or camera uh, traps when you place a camera, you know, um, you look for game trails and everything else. A lot of these ridge lines are, are thoroughways uh, for game whether it's bear, uh, cougar, deer, uh, there's these game trails that run along these ridges. Um, but it's also a high vantage point and a quicker way to travel on a lot of aspects along these ridge lines. So I like to look for those ridge lines, those high points. Uh, that's an area that I like to uh, sometimes place cameras. Uh, but also I think, you know, like I said, I think Sasquatch uses those. And it's one of the things I think that um, – one of the reasons I think we don't have more evidence 
or pictures or whatever of Sasquatches because of this high ground, because I think that's where they probably tend to travel the most and tend to uh, maybe, ha- you know, uh, live, live in some of these high areas. And really, hunters and hikers uh, in some of these high areas, we don't go to. We just don't go to. One, it's too difficult. It's too thick. It's too high. And it's just areas we don't go to. And so I think that's one of the reasons we don't, um, you know, really get anywhere. Uh, though I think some people, some individuals are focusing more on these ridges in these, these areas. But uh, when you, you, you're limited for time, you're, you're in and out, and it's a moving needle in a haystack, as you always say. Yeah, that's, that's, that's simply brilliant, brilliantly put, Shane. <laughs> I, I don't know if it's brilliant, I but I, and I said, <laughs> well, I, I think it's it's it is a lot of common sense, and then right. and then also, you know, as we've discussed before, Gunner, uh, you know, you know, working on this nesting area, it's the you know whether it's Sasquatch or not, something made these nests, and it's in a perfect location. It's on a you know it's on a it's on the high ground. There's a quick escape route. It's kind of nasty to get into. It's hard to get into, and so. I would imagine that if the nests that we've been working on and dealing with are Sasquatch, it makes a lot of sense. And the only reason to be in there, quite honestly, and the only reason they were discovered in the first place was the fact that it was uh, somebody involved uh, with the timber uh, industry and had to be in that area because they're going to, uh, you know, uh, go in there and, and, and timber it, or cut, cut these trees down and, and, and whatnot. So I think that's, you know, uh, the Sasquatch pass from point A to point B, of course. It goes probably through the valleys and, and the glens and everything else. But where it probably predominantly spends most of its time is some of these higher ridges, you know, and as the weather, you know, this is all theoretical hypothesizing and everything else, but as the weather uh, worsens, you know, you get your snow and stuff, you know, they, they, they transgress, they, they move downwards, but still not where people are going to be, you know. I mean, that's why we don't get a whole lot of, pictures and stuff they're still in in areas where people aren't going to be traversing not even hunters and i don't believe you know i think hunters see them occasionally in hikers and fishermen and 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 what have you but it's really because of these really hard to get to areas these areas that there's no reason for a person to really be there and that's why we don't have uh, uh more things to look at and, and more pieces of you know pieces of the puzzle. I mean, that's just my thoughts behind why we're kind of at, at where we're at. Well, I think one of the challenges, um, first of all, we don't, we don't have uh, many reports of, or any reports that I'm aware of, of somebody stumbling upon a family group of, of Bigfoot just hanging out and chilling. So they, you know, they must be somewhere that, that we really get get to like you're talking about i mean there's or or else once in a while we just somebody be walking through the woods and there'd be hey there's uh you know they're having family dinner or whatever it just doesn't happen so that just do you know i i don't think that they um stay in the locus i don't think they stay and live in one location uh for an extended period of time just the damage that that animals of this size would would do um would would uh just we'd find something that that this huge area where you know that that had feces and and uh would be torn down um that like you're talking about the olympic projects a nesting site um was an area that hadn't been logged in like 50 years so, you know, I think after a while, they may get comfortable in an area that, that sees little or no people. They, they um, I have an awareness, I'm sure, to some degree of just like, like you know, animals have, that are probably not as in, intelligent as, as Bigfoot, in like deer and elk. I mean, they, they know. They start moving this time of year. They move around. Um, they get pushed around because they're aware that there's people out there trying to kill them. Um, and Bigfoot, we you know we we uh, anticipate that that or theorize that Bigfoot is probably a lot smarter than a deer or you know the other animals in, that are out in the woods. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, I mean that's a great point. I think I mean if you just look at known animals specifically here in 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 
in the in America in the United States, you know, uh, whether it's deer or bear, they don't hunker down an area uh, very long. They, they move. They're moving uh, for food, for their resources, for shelter, for cover, uh, for mating. Um, they're constantly on the move, you know, and they'll, they'll they'll stay in a spot for a little while, you know. You you know, if you look at you know. Um, you know, like deer, like a buck, he'll he'll scrape a tree and he'll get his little territory. You know, he'll scrape a tree and that's his territory and he's got his little, you know, and he, that's his area. Um, and that's, you know, what hunters look for, you know, they'll look for a scrape on a tree or, or you know, damage on the ground and other, other things, but they're constantly moving. Um, and then, of course, you know, when it comes to theorizing what Sasquatch does, we you know we, we're theorizing that they have a family unit that they, you know, and that's because we're looking at known animals and, and you know, known primates and what they right. do. Uh, we're theorizing that, you know, possibly they do have a family unit. Now, is that family unit um, a, a constant thing? Is it just periodic? You know, uh, who knows? Uh, you know, and if you have small groups um, of family, you know, of, of, of family units, I mean, it really is, you're really, it's getting really difficult and you, you know, uh, you really got to uh, be keen on um, looking for possible piece of evidence as to where these family units would be. And, I, you know, I often say it would have to be in areas where we're not going, that humans are not going. Uh, you know, we find tidbits here and there. You know, you find an oppression, a trackway, uh, and things of that nature. Um, but where are they actually living? Uh, where are they sleeping? You know, you could find bear beds and elk beds, um, you know, and they move around a lot. Does Sasquatch do the same thing, or do they they hunker down for an extended period of time in really remote areas, or do they are they constantly on the move? I mean, no one really knows, obviously. But it's a lot of you know, it's a, a lot to think about, uh, and uh, it's things like that that uh, keep me up at night. Where do they go? Where are they staying? Do they stay somewhere? You know, uh, do they have family units? You know, I I I tend to think that possibly they do. Um, and that uh, the key to possibly uh, maybe even stumbling upon something of that nature, something really fresh, is going to those remote areas, those ridge lines that are thick. And I'm not talking about like you know some game trail that leads up a mountain and you follow that, and that's going to lead you you know the goal to the end of the rainbow. No, I, I think <laughs> it's uh, maybe maybe those areas are traversed, but that's not where you're going to find a bedding area or a nest area. Uh, or um, a group of them, I think it's going to be quite off the beaten trail in an area where they feel completely safe, where that they can hear something coming a mile away. Uh, you know, that I mean, that to me makes a lot of sense. Uh, otherwise, I think we probably would be a lot further along with the Sasquatch phenomenon than we're at now. You know, well, one of the other challenges is who we don't have any full-time professional Sasquatchers out there. I mean, we're talking mm-hmm. about weekend warriors, a lot of this, this research is done by, you know, citizen scientists or uh, renegade outlaw scientists, <laughs> but uh, it, you know, on their own dime. So uh, that that's a limitation that the people that are even the most dedicated people that that are really interested in in solving this puzzle and uh, and coming forth with conclusive proof whatever that might uh, look like is are limited by their own budget and the, the amount of time that they can actually go out and, and stay in any, any particular area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. It, it, you know, it, it does come down to that, I think. And that's why I, that to me is the number one uh, thing as to why we're not further along. First of all, nobody's getting funded to spend weeks on end in an area. You get some retirees that do that, um, but once again, it's, it's a needle in a haystack. They have to be in the right area at the right time uh, for extended with period the right of time, equipment. I think. The I mean, right equipment, the right, yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, with the right equipment, um, you know, and that's time and money. And, mm-hmm. and then, you know, as we discussed before, Gunner, it takes will. I mean, I don't know of too many groups, or I know of a few groups, I know of a few, few individuals, but once again, mm-hmm. we're talking about a needle in a haystack. But that are that are diligent about spending extended amounts of time in certain areas, but not, I think, the time needed 
uh, not the length of time needed uh, in some of these areas, uh, whether it's exploration or just hanging out. And, uh, you know, and then you need the right technology. You need, you need to be funded. I mean, some, you know, there, I'm sure there's individuals out there that are, you know, got, got a good cash flow. But we're talking about individuals. I think what's really needed is a group, you know, kind of, we were, t- we were kind of chatting the other day about the Falcon project, you know, the Falcon project yep. that William yep. Barnes had started and it basically went up in flames. Uh, uh, but it was a good concept. I really thought so. I mean, don't you think? Yeah, no, I, I always, uh, you know, the, the uh, airship thing was always kind of a distraction to me. And, and though the idea of, of being able to monitor ground operations from the air is, has appealed to me, um, the the key thing to me was the putting people on the ground in an area that that has uh, an ongoing history of of Bigfoot activity. Side, you know, that people have are there's recent reports, and and better yet, an area where there's recent po- reports and there's an ongoing history of of reports. Um, yeah, the idea that, you know of putting uh, a group of people in an area with the right technology with you know, drones and, and therms and, and trail cams and, and, uh, you know, all I, it's because so many times the contact and ex- somebody has a sighting with a Bigfoot, uh, it's fleeting, you know, it's a few seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, right. and, and the chances of, of getting, uh, even, even one piece of, uh, a good video, a good, uh, picture, um, what's it going to take? That's that's probably not going to be enough to to prove. I've you know I've often said it's going to be uh, a sp- specimen, live or dead, and I'm not you know I'm not pro kill or or saying go out and shoot one. If that uh, I could say it all day if if that was how I felt about it. If it was easy to do, it'd been done already because there's enough people that that are coming from that perspective and like they're going to you know, prove it by bringing in a dead Bigfoot. If it was easy to do, it had been done. Um, you know, uh, then getting a live specimen is probably more difficult than, than getting a, a dead specimen. So uh, how, how do you do it? The other, you know, is, is ongoing, uh, some kind of research project, uh, some kind of long, and the Falcon project, the, the basic idea of the Falcon project of putting people in, uh, in the field for you know a long period of t- uh, a rel- longer than than has been done before, um, and then rotating people out, in or rotating people in and keeping a, a, a presence in an area for uh, a long period of time, and then if you won't get anything to move to another uh, area that has potential, it yeah it's it's not about it. In fact, uh, it quite a while back when we had John Kirk on, we were talking about that. That is probably what it's going to take. It's going to take um, some bodies on the ground with the right equipment. Um, and, and I know that, you know, there's people that are disappointed in, in how the Falcon project crashed. But to me, the idea is still valid um, that you, you take a bunch of people out there and, and, what it it's time like it's a time game they eventually if you go into the area i it's just like the area that we research in the oregon coast range uh i've always thought that um there's such a high percentage of bigfoot encounters that are are road crossings that we discussed early on is like you know we really should be uh recording when we come in and out of the area and, and um and making that a, a discipline and uh, what happened? Uh, I know that that at least uh, one of our members had a road crossing sighting. wasn't actually out doing Bigfoot research at the time, uh, but and didn't have any camera set up. Uh, so, you know, you get caught with your pants down. It's if you're, uh, and even that, had it been a good video, would it have been enough? Probably not. I would, you know, it's going to any video with the technology that exists now with, with uh, how people can edit stuff. And it's, you're going to have to go back to source and, and actually, you know, be able to uh, take the SD card, take the, the equipment and, and com- do comparisons. And I, I still don't think that's going to be enough 
to uh, prove to the general public that that Bigfoot exists. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I don't think it's going to be enough. One of the key things I think too, though, is if you have a funded endeavor with individuals, is that these individuals are trained. You know, I, you know, I think a lot of the issue nowadays is anybody can call themselves a Bigfoot researcher, investigator, and they really don't have any training. Um, and by training, I mean they're not trackers. They're, they, they don't have any scientific background. They don't know how to collect stuff. And so they, they're really just going out for an experience. And um, they're not really – they'll come back with a story maybe, uh, and in some cases some audio uh, Maybe they'll come back with uh, an impression, you know, a trackway or some sorts, and that's maybe. But they're mm-hmm. not really qualified to be in, uh, in in doing this research, quite honestly. Um, and that's the vast majority, I think, you know, of, of so-called Bigfoot researchers and investigators is that they're just not – they're ill-prepared uh, – and they don't really – I mean, not that anybody knows what they're looking for, but not really prepared to to uh, uh, really look or identify things. And I think that's a key issue with this research because it's not scientifically backed as a whole. You know, it's not funded. And so, um, you know, fortunately and unfortunately, you have a bunch of laymen out there doing the groundwork uh, but it's it's not it's in my opinion uh, you know it's it's not good enough and and uh you know that's why you, you get that's why most reports uh when it comes to sightings and whatnot come from average day people doing average day things you know whether it's fishing hiking hunting camping because they're, they're they're out there in areas uh you know being normal and doing that doing whatnot and then they have an encounter experience you know, not many researchers, quite honestly, uh, most researchers don't come away with much, maybe some audio and some stuff, but they don't really come away with a sighting. I mean, there there has been occurrences and occasions. I mm-hmm. think it's more about being in the right place at the right time. But most people aren't trained, uh, you know, with no academic background. Uh, and so you're really, it, it's really not going to get you anywhere you know, and, and I think that's quite honestly one of the reasons we're not further ahead. I think we could put uh, more qualified individuals in a, in the field um, with the right motives, the right goals, the right ideas for a lengthy period of time with the right equipment in the right areas at the right time of year. You know, and this, you know, what is the right time of year? I don't know. I got my own ideas, you know, but uh, those are some of the key elements I think that could get launch this research um, it can triple fold you know uh, as to where we're at now uh, if you can get that sort of thing now the funding the funding um, you know I mean that goes a long way so funding is equipment it is um, paying people to be in, in in the field if they need to you know they have bills to pay and jobs you know but um, and then of course that would be mostly you know a scientific funded uh, endeavor um, you know, I don't know of anybody that's willing to pay just your average Joe to go out in the woods for a lengthy period of time with equipment. I think it would have to include a lot of science, science or scientists um, or those with qualified backgrounds to so actually get out in the woods for a lengthy period of time in, a, in an area and uh, with all sorts of equipment, both audio and therm and seismographic, you know, stuff. I mean, there's a lengthy list of great equipment that I think they could be provided in an endeavor. You know, I know the Falcon Project was really working on this, and they had a lot of equipment, and they had a lot of great individuals involved, um, some of them friends of mine. Um, the problem was, I think, with the Falcon Project was it it, it jumped the gun. You know, it was uh, – had, you know, it, it, its eyes were bigger than its stomach and should have started off a little bit slower, you know, get your group together. They were in a great area. Um, they had some equipment, not all the equipment they needed. Um, they had done the research on that particular area, and I know that area to be well known for um, Sasquatch, supposed Sasquatch um, uh, encounters and reports and stuff. So they had a lot going for them, but it was just 
too big too fast and something uh, of that nature could work if if really slowed down a bit and you had science backing you up you had the correct funding and the right individuals involved um, and most of the individuals involved were were there for the long haul. I mean, they were planning on being there for, you know, months, weeks and months. Right. Well, now, where where do you suppose this funding is ever going to come from? We don't have uh, a Tom Slick uh, at this point that, that you know, basically has an open checkbook that, that <laughs> and an interest in the subject to, to prove it. I know that uh, Wally Hersom has, you know, Honing up a lot of money on the subject uh, for the subject throughout the years, um, and I don't know what the you know his status in, in Bigfooting is anymore. But uh, it where does how are we gonna how are we gonna pull this off? I mean, you know, there, it, to me it looks like there's a lot of like loose pieces of people out there that have their own equipment. You know, they, this person has a drone, and this person has a drone, and this person's got a therm, and this one's got you know. Uh, that if you had the right uh, put out the call to to do an expedition expedition and i I mean an expedition because a lot of things that are uh, put out and called expeditions are are not a literal expedition um, i've been on on a number of what were referred to as expeditions that that really weren't it was going in you know you're going into an area for the first time and uh, the people leading the thing have never even been in the area. Um, and it's more, you know, it, and not like it wasn't fun. And, and on occasion there were reports of things happening on these expeditions, quote unquote, but there was, you know, it wasn't really what uh, a long-term uh, field study expedition with the right equipment mm-hmm. and it was it was more a bunch of people you know it was a gathering of people going to an area that had a history of uh might have had a history of bigfoot activity and and you know it's a roll in the dice and hoping that something happens i mean i've you know i've been on somewhere right. there's some weird weird vocal stuff that was recorded and but I, I don't even know what happens you know there's no plan in place for if something happened to vet that that uh, information, you know, I think then, I think in the one case uh, of an expedition that I went through here in Oregon, uh, there was actually some vocals recorded, and I think, as far as I know, the individual who recorded them that was just a participant in this this outing went off with them, and nothing ever happened with them. So there's, you know, this an expedition has a, a scientific protocol and and basically an SOP. This is how you know you have procedures in place of what you're going to do, um, how you're going to, to conduct yourself, what kind of evidence you're trying to, to collect and what you're going to do with the evidence at the end of the expedition. I mean, it's, it's not just, you know, a glorified camping mm-hmm. trip. Right. Well, you know, expedition, I mean, that's a great point. An expedition to me is, is not a weekend trip it's it's something more than that it's something that's been thought out thoroughly both uh with the individuals involved the equipment used how are you going to use that equipment and the area the area i think it's an area that's been been looked at repeatedly that has uh phenomenal chances of bringing something forth bring something to the table uh you know whether that's you know physical evidence or you know, anecdotal, it's going to, you know, it's going to compile all that. It's some, it's an area that's going to really, you've looked at all the options and this is an area that you're going to do a long-term expedition. You know, expedition, if you look at expeditions in the past, you know, where the, to the Congo or wherever to, to, that's scientifically backed and scientifically funded, they're months. It's usually months, if not years. And so uh, I haven't heard of um, a whole lot of that going on here. One, uh, because science is not back in this. You know, you, you do have certain individuals involved in some of these these trips, and I'll call them trips because mm-hmm. they're not really expeditions, um, right. trips. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, like you were saying, you, you have to have protocols in place. I mean, all that's got to be, 
hindsight. I mean, that's got to be already thought through. And then where, where if you do collect ev- pieces of evidence, whether it's physical or whatnot, uh, audio, video, you that has to be vetted somehow um, right. and, and really looked at. That's not really going on nowadays. Um, you know, there's groups, you know, Limp Project, I know NOAC in Texas, um, and, and there's other groups out there right. kind of trying to do this stuff and have been doing this stuff, but um, really comes down to, you know, everybody's got a, a day job uh, for the most part, and they're not being, you know, the subsidies, I mean, they're not being funded for this. And so oh, I know it's a shoestring it's really, budget at best most of the time. I mean, at, you know, at best. I, I know, yeah. I know that you you know, we talk about how much money that we spend on on Bigfooting from you know equ- uh, that you gather equipment over over a period of long period of time that um, and yeah, it doesn't drop in your lap. I mean, it's not right. if I wake General, up one day and go, "Oh, I got I got all the therms I could imagine at my at my you know whim." I mean, right, right. here, bam, from me, all you know, everything I need, uh, audio. Whatever, you know, I, I'm not going out to hunt a Sasquatch, okay? I'm not a hunting, you know, I don't go out to shoot one. Um, though it probably, you know, like we discussed, probably will take a body and whatnot. Um, am I looking for, uh, I'm, I'm constantly looking for bones and other things of that nature that stand out. But that's hard, ridiculous. Hard evidence. Of, it, hard yeah. evidence. Really hard right. to do. But it's, it's, it's really difficult because i have to work you know i i go out as, as humanly possible within my means right. and i spend lengthy times in areas and i do i come away with some interesting things heck yeah i do so do a lot mm-hmm. of people so you know um but it's not good enough it's really not good enough and i could admit that it's not good enough uh you know uh well i know, I'm, you know i think yeah. when you're saying that you're not you're not knocking any what the people the effort that people are putting out there it's just not oh no obviously you know, I, I've I've referred to my big footings better than your big footing. The people that well, if that was the case, we wouldn't be discussing if they exist or how do we prove they exist. We'd already be have that information. It'd be a documented animal, but it you know yeah. it 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 the efforts all these individual efforts have not led us to um, the day of discovery, so to speak, as or confirmation of the species. Um, it, I, I think it's, you know, you said it, it's a, it's a needle in the haystack and, and the needle's moving and, you know, we don't know what their, their territory looks like, how lo- wide of an area that they, they travel through. We don't, you know, um, the, one of the interesting things, aspects to me of, of the project, uh, the Olympic project's nest site is that it, it appears that. Now, even though the this area has been under observation for over two years, is that it de- doesn't appear that that uh, what has used these nests have come back to to use them again. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it doesn't look like anything's come back to the actual nesting sites in this area. Now, I, I personally believe that um, that. There are Sasquatch in this area, uh, and I base that off a lot of things, both sightings and some other other um, pieces of possible evidence. Um, I, I, but with the nesting areas, uh, you know, it, they were in these little areas on these ridges were devastated. There'd be no reason for anything to come back in this area because all the huckleberry, as to which the nests were made out of, were completely all the leaves are plucked, the, the, the limbs are stripped. It takes years for that to grow back. And takes years for that to grow back. And you saw that firsthand, Gunner, that some of the new growth, and it's starting to cover up the area. Now, if something was to move back into this, whether it's Sasquatch or not, if something is to move back in this area, I would imagine they're going to wait for it to grow back. So it's thick. So when they come into this area, the huckleberries are thick again. The cover's thick. Um, you, know, you do have the, the food source down below with the salmon run that runs up this creek. Um, you do have that, but the areas are devastated, so you, things have to move. I mean, that you know makes sense for any known animal. If it devastates an area, you know they move on to the next area, and then they devastate that little area. And by devastate, people go, oh well, if it's devastated, you know you should be able to find them. No, no, <laughs> very minute little area uh, that it's it's very it's picked out very well that uh, just within the, this nesting area. 
is devastated. But just outside that, no, no, it's not. It's not pit clean at all. And so, uh, if, if Sasquatch did make these nests, it would it would wait for the foliage and would not to grow back for cover and for food, and well, make and nests just, out just of again. Be, right, because there's the material. They uh, one of the most like impressive images that that I was when Derek Randall's was dis- discussing how it looked, how devastated the the ridge was where these nests were and um there was you, you like you said just basically to to build new nests or rebuild the nests that are there they, they'd have to wait for the uh the huckleberry to recover because they they whatever made these nests decimated you know utilized the huckleberry within a uh, and it's and it's not a large area there's several nests in no. a pretty compact area so it it makes sense that they yeah. and, and we don't even know that that then we got to you know speculate what what this uh, area was used for you know they don't it doesn't like they were living there for years um, they probably were used for a short relatively short period of time for whatever reason yeah so and that that, we, uh, that... That period of time could be, you know, that period of time, in my opinion, could be anywhere from, a few, and it's just me speaking, a few weeks to a month or so um, in, in a period of time. Now, if you, you devastate an area and you stay there too long, well, you give up your cover, you give up your food, and that's where you get found. You just get right. found, right? So you got to, uh, I mean, if, it, if these are Sasquatch nests, and then uh, it makes sense that you, you, you plunder and you move on. You know, you're a Viking Sasquatch. <laughs> you plunder and you move on. <laughs> Otherwise, you get discovered, you get found out. And so um, it's really um, – but I do believe that, that there's, there's a possibility that, uh, you know, there are ha- or has been Sasquatch in the area, not in the nesting area, but uh, the surrounding areas, uh, both because of some track finds and some other things. But um, – once again, getting back to kind of uh, the scientific endeavor, you know, I think if you spent a lot of time and years in these areas, that's kind of what the Lynn Project's doing. Um, mm-hmm. But once again, we're not spending, you know, we're not actually out in these areas every day, uh, you know. And right. I think we, nobody's they're, they're living possibly, out there. Possibly, yeah. no, nobody's I mean, nobody, living out there. We're, right. we're kind we're of monitoring, monitoring it. it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so. Um, but the, these, uh, you know, uh, you know, another funny point, Gunner, we talked about the other day is um, there are those out there that say um, that technology, because I think technology is a huge part of this. We're, we're starting, tech, you know, with the Bigfoot world and the Bigfoot in the scheme of things with the this endeavor is that the technology, we're catching up to the technology and the technology is catching up to us. And we're using that for for uh, our research. But mm-hmm. a lot of people say, not a lot of people, there are those out there that say, you know, technology scares off the Bigfoot. You know, that, uh, you know, if, if you want to experience or encounter, uh, no game cameras, no thermal, no audio. I mean, and, and people kind of pick and choose what they, well, audio is okay, or therm's okay, but game cams are not okay, or vice versa. Yeah, I mean, what's your opinion, Gunnar? I mean, <laughs> I, I think audio, or technology in general is a huge key to this, and that we're only really, quite honestly, really uh, started to utilize technology in the right fashion, whether it's a drone or a therm or uh, audio piece. Um, and there's lots of other little tidbits of technology out there that others are using that are fascinating that I think are going to propel this research. But do you think uh, technology scares off Sasquatch? I, I don't think that technology in general scares off Sasquatch. I think that um, what are the protocols being used when somebody puts game cams up? I mean, it takes what, three weeks for the human scent to go away. I mean, so, and in that period of time, if you haven't, you know, taken care and, and unless you've, uh, you take out anything new plastic, it has a, a off gases for a while. And I'm not sure how long it takes to get rid of the off-gassing of a, a new game cam. So, I mean, there's any period of time that you put out there, an, an animal that's as smart as, as Bigfoot is and, and smart probably knows that represents people. So um, if they do they avoid them? I don't know. I mean, I, I know that other animals 
know that like game cams are there. Um, how do you utilize? I, I think that it, you're you're hitting on the very thing that that is to we have an advantage with technology as humans. They have a technology being masters of their environment. So it's that that's the the game. It's a chess match. Who you know can we use technology? And I think it's a combination of technology. I can. I mean, I imagine going into with a group with with drones and and trail cams and audio recorders and other you know and GoPros and and what you know whatever we can gather and um, uh, ground sensors if if possible you know that all kinds of stuff that that gives us an advantage that is our advantage night vision um, and but it has to be tactical because I think if you go into an area you know just willy-nilly with it I don't think if it's not utilized correctly, it, it, it dissipates the, the advantage that we have with technology. I mean, you just go in there and, you know, and yeah, you, you uh, kind of nailed it on the head there with the, you see technology is all good. It's all great, but how many individuals correctly know to how to use that technology? How, how, who knows? I mean, the right spot to place the trail camera or how to, correctly use a thermal device. There's so many uh, elements to thermal use, you know, a contrast and colors and, um, and whatnot, you know, it's just like a camera, you know, you got, I mean, there's a reason you have professional photographers because they know the ins and out of that camera. They know how to zoom in, zoom out the contrast and everything else that goes along with that camera. They know how to take the perfect picture. How many individuals out there doing this research really take the time to learn the device or the equipment they're using. Not many. I'll be honest with you. I've been out in the field with a lot of people and I've been out with some that do it right and some I'm like it, that piece of equipment does not belong in their hand because you know they don't know how to read the different heat signatures and they can't di- differentiate what they're looking at. And trust me, I've been guilty of this. It's taken me a long time to get where I'm fairly comfortable when I, when I, I can read a heat signature you know, because out here in the Pacific Northwest it's crazy. The rain really hurts thermal use, you know, it, you know, and it rains up here a ton. It really doesn't do you any service. Um, and if, it, if it's downright pouring, your therm's almost useless. And so, you know, I've, I've been out in the woods with people that have seen uh, what they thought was a Sasquatch. It's a rock or it's a tree or it's a, um, a stump because it gives off the heat that's collected from the day. And it, it, it looks like a heat signature. It looks like a, you know, a... a uh, human form in some ways, um, and that's just that's just one one um, tidbit there when it comes to the use of technology and people not using it correctly that are not trained. Uh, and you can train yourself; it just takes a lot of time. You got to know the ins and outs of that technology. You know, it's just like drones. You know, mm-hmm. it takes, you can't just. I've tried <laughs> when I first started flying <laughs> drones; I was useless. It took me a long time to actually be able to, and I'm still not there. Um, I'm not personally a big drone guy. I think they're useful, but it's just not my thing. Um, but you got to really train yourself, and you have to make yourself an expert with that drone or that therm or that piece of audio you're using, you know, audio equipment to record stuff, um, just like track casting. You know, you have to be really good at mixing and, and using the right uh, plaster for a cast. You know, I mean, you can get a cast, but if you want a lot of detail – you got to look at what you're using and how you're mixing it and how you're pouring it and the right amount of water. There's a lot to it. And there's just not a lot of people doing that correctly. And uh, so that's, you know, it, it's, it's, <laughs> we're really not getting anywhere because everybody thinks they can do this. And, and a lot of people are very good at what they do. There's, there's individuals. I'm not bagging on everybody because uh, there's a lot of honest people out there trying to do some honest stuff here and honest work. But, you know, I think some of the reason uh, I think what's going to take is people and individuals becoming experts in their field or their devices or their technology. Um, I mean, I, I really do think it's going to take a funded effort uh, for a long uh, period of time in certain areas to really come away with something positive, unless somebody happens to hit a Sasquatch with a truck or accidentally shoot one, whether it's a hunter or, or come across something really tangible. Um, right. Otherwise... Uh, you know, uh, and, uh, you know, 
what the Olympic project is doing, you know, we're a part of the Olympic project. One of the things we're doing is we're not out to, quote, unquote, prove Sasquatch's existence, but we are there collecting um, data. We're collecting uh, physical evidence for that day of discovery. So when it, when it happens, and I do think it will happen, we'll have all of this data collected that science then can go, okay, what do you have? And we'll look at it, and, and it'll be already compiled. It'll already be right there, laid out like a red carpet sort of scenario. Um, but I mean, I would love, trust me, I would love to get, you know, uh, you know, that's what I live and breathe for. Quite honestly, is to collect <laughs> more data and, and put myself in areas where I can collect this data and uh, and go from there. Uh, right now, I don't think there's a, you know, a lot of people are just out there for an experience. You know, I could take anybody out in the woods, uh, as you could, Gunner, as some of our friends and cohorts. Uh, we can take anybody out there and, and and maybe have something interesting happen, you know, and then walk away going, oh, that was fun, oh, that was crazy, or that was interesting. But at the end of the day, it doesn't mean anything. It really matters where you vet that evidence and, and the protocols and everything else set in place. And that takes – that's a proper expedition. Right, and that's – I. I think, you, again, you touched on something very key to uh, if, if a uh, expedition was to be undertaken is that cer- certain people would be assigned certain areas to become experts in before you ever went out into the field. You know, there, um, there are people that, that are fairly, you know, are adept at using thermal images. And before I, I, I would, the way that I envision this expedition is is that that person then trains anybody who's going to be using a therm before you ever step foot into the woods the same with with drones that that you know only certain people are using certain technology with uh but but there's enough technology i i like the idea of of monitoring um an area uh with with drones in conjunction with other uh technology being used i mean it by themselves you know you're just scanning the woods but if but say you're out there with and you you pick something up that uh, is a good hit on a um, on a therm and um you know you can get a, a drone up in the air that also has thermal imaging or or a daytime something happens in the daytime that you it it allows for speed to me is like you know an ease i, I can't climb that ridge in in the, the same uh, time that a, a Sasquatch could, but I can get up there with the drone and maybe get video or, you know, that's, that's each piece of technology would need to be, have a plan of how it was going to be used. That if this happens, we're going, you know, if A happens and B happens and then C happens, not just, okay, oh, what do we do now? You know, oh, we just heard something yelling from that ridge. What do we do? Um, and that, that again, is it's not, uh, it, it, I think it's going to take, uh, an organized effort with that's well-funded that, that, uh, with, which in, that allows for technology. The other alternative would be to pull together, pull together the technology that people have, you know, and then again, you got to vet who's participating, you know, because there's people out there that they might have the right technology, but um, what are their motives? You know, and what what right. are they are because it'd be really easy to get get uh, somebody out there that that maybe uh, hoaxes something. I can think of some people I would definitely not put on a list to uh, go out with uh, an expedition of this magnitude. You know, it, yeah, is it how many people? Uh, you know, I mean, there's a whole. Just the logistics of it are are fascinating, but also like uh, mind-boggling. What, yeah. what would you yeah. you know? How many people? What location? What equipment? Who's going to do what? But it, but it's not you know it's not inconceivable that it could be put together. No, it's not inconceivable. You really need to treat it like you know you're going you know you're going to be spending you know. Yeah. Six months in space. You got to get the right individuals involved with the right credentials, the right backgrounds, the right training. Um, uh, and there, there are groups out there that do, I think, have all a lot of these key things. They don't have the funding or the time to do it. 
Um, right. And 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 that's that's the issue. But I also think, pardon me, one of the one of the things that you kind of touched on was, uh, without mentioning, was patience. You know, when it comes to therming, um, mm-hmm. you know, therm's not going to therming. You know, you can get a great capture, and there's some out there that I think are, you know, there's some therm footages, footage pieces out there. I think that are Sasquatch, but. Uh, how many individuals are patient enough to? Because I fully, this is one of my uh, opinions here. One of a piece of a, a hypothesis is that you know Sasquatch will stay still for more, a lot longer than most people are capable of staying still. You know, if you pick right. up a heat signature, it's not moving. Most people will pass on it and um, or not move towards it. And I know that mm-hmm. takes a lot of. Uh, I'm not saying you know if you get a heat signature and you're not sure if it's a bear that you approach it i have and and, and uh it's not that's not a great idea um but you know uh, how many people are well, we had enough that, to really yeah. yeah we had that happen in up at uh in the mount hood forest when we were up there a few weeks ago we we had yep. a therm and and we picked up a heat signature and what did we do well I, we went towards it to see if it moved or but we stayed in communication. So it's like, yes. it's not like I'm just running, running towards this heat signature. Cause that's, that's foolish and, and potentially, you know, uh, turn Dangerous. from, uh, to, yeah, turn to pray, but, uh, <laughs> P, both P R E Y and P R A Y. So, <laughs> but, uh, it, it you know, there, the effort would have to be, I mean, somebody's, you know, you're going to have to have somebody who's definitely in charge. Uh, and, and then there's got to be a selection process and then there's got to, you know, so even not before you ever are vetting evidence, you're vetting participants. Who's, who's doing it. And, and, uh, are they, you know, what are their motives and what are, uh, what are they after? What are they, why, why are they participating and what do they bring to the right. table? Yeah. But the, the patience thing is huge because mm-hmm. I'm not even just talking with equipment, but, you know, we're, we live in this day and age of instant gratification, you know, where people want to jump on YouTube and see, okay, show me something and scare me or, or, or blow my mind. And real research, real science, is it's boring, it's, it's tedious, and uh, that, an expedition, uh, you know, uh, or expeditions – you know, are going to be all of that boring, tedious. Um, there's protocol to follow. You know, um, you know. I, I've been on. Uh, I was on a uh, a trip once where um, we we were camping out in this area, and um, someone had found a track line uh, where they saw toads and everything, and they were really excited about it. And it ended up being. Uh, somebody was out walking around with those Vibram or Vibrex shoes, you know, with the toes. And and so they were walking in soft mud, and and it looked like, uh, you know, a a footprint. I mean, it was a footprint, but it was a human footprint in one of these shoes with the toes. I think it was Vibram or Vibrex. I can't remember. Mm -hmm. Um, But anyways, lack of protocol, uh, lack of telling anybody where they were walking, that, oh, guess what? I walked down this trail, and there was going to be this in the mud. Um, and it was me, uh, you know, and they weren't trying to hoax or fool anybody. They just didn't think about it. Uh, and who, who, or who somebody, would wear something like <laughs> who would make that their choice of footwear on a, on a Bigfoot expedition? Or a Bigfoot? I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It, it, well, you can call it a Bigfoot expedition or a trip, whatever. Right. Yeah, but yeah, somebody whatever. did, yeah. somebody did. And, and right. they were very forthright in owning up to it. They weren't trying to hoax, but it was just one of those things that goes to show you, you know, if you're, if you're really going about, this scientifically, that's not going to, that's not even going to be, that's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. But the right. patience aspect is being patient in the field. It's listening. It's, right. it's observing. Most individuals in the woods um, are not great observers. You know, hunters are great observers. And I think that's a lot of times where we get, I mean, we get a lot of reports from hunters because they're mm-hmm. observing. They have to, they have to, they, right. they have something they're to call. Still, they're still, yeah. Watching for hours. Yeah. 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 Watching for how many, hours, you know. And, how many Bigfoot researchers actually go and do that? Go plot, plot their butt in a tree for ten hours and and just observe and be quiet. Not not many, man. I mean, not many. That's yeah. that's the truth. And and if you look at you know uh, scientifically funded and backed 
expeditions, real expeditions, I mean, you're talking about people really being out in the field, uh, observing, and it's, you know, like I said, it's tedious and it's boring, but then they get that nugget, they get that gold uh, after, you know, months and, and sometimes years of observing, you know, mm-hmm. of learning their environment, of knowing what they're dealing with and knowing what they're not dealing with. And so, um, once again, I think that's why we're not quite where we're at we should be. Uh, I think we're getting there. I think there's, uh, you know, I, I do see, you know, I, I don't want to be negative Nancy here. I do see uh, a great pool, you know, with, with uh, people using DNA kits, learning the DNA kits, how to collect data properly, collecting everything, whether they're having a site, they have an experience or not, learning areas and, and spending a lot of time in these areas. Um, and so there is a compromise. I mean, there is a lot of pool to try and do this a little bit more scientifically. That's been done in the past by um, researchers, investigators as a whole. You know, there's been a lot of individuals throughout, uh, you know, this, this, you know, Bigfoot, you know, uh, research era, you know, since basically the 50s, that mm-hmm. I think that a lot of people are starting to, as a whole, pull into that. But then you have your fringe elements, and that's a whole other thing. But uh, right. It's 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 getting it's getting somewhere where I'm feeling better about the research as a whole. You know, I would love 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 for somebody to bring something to the table. You know, I, I don't have an ego. I don't have an agenda. You don't either, Gunner, and the people we work with don't either. Um, that we would love for somebody to bring something to the table that's really ta- tangible. You know, um, mm-hmm. and um, there's individuals working on that. There's a lot of people. Uh, that are not on the radar, you know, not on Facebook, not on social media, that aren't YouTube, right. that are just going about their business, yeah, really trying to collect the data and and, uh, and and go about the right way as much as they can. I would love for some of those individuals to be a part of a group that was funded with, with the equipment they needed, the money needed to actually be out in the field and train properly to be out there. And I think then, then, we might get somewhere. Um, you know, it'd be really cool if there was a couple of groups, not just one group, but, mm-hmm. you know, two to three groups in different areas, you know, of real high significance, real high encounters or an area that, you know, uh, that was looked at and go, okay, you know what, this is promising. And, you know, I got areas like that in my head. I'm like, okay, I, this, if I was, uh, if I was wealthy and could fund mm-hmm. a group, I got two to three areas. I think that would be phenomenal, but I'm not, uh, you know, I, I need, you know, I, everything I, like you, pay for, we pay for everything. It's all out of our own pocket. So we're not there yet. Well, I know I know that both Bill Gates and Oprah listen to Monster X Radio. So okay. you guys pony up some good, money, good. and, yeah, and we'll, we're happy to go out and, and spend enormous amounts of time. And then we'll come on your show, Oprah. I, I think she's not on TV anymore. But... Uh, uh, <laughs> But I know, but seriously, I mean, that's, you know, it, it is a financial challenge to that is that is a big part of uh, what what we're faced with. And, and I know I, I, I have a lot of mad respect for people that are out there actually doing the work, pounding the pavement. Um, I know you spend oh, an inordinate yeah. amount of time and and financial resources to to research the subject, as do many others. So. Uh, Chris Spencer comes to mind, you know, people in uh, many people in the Olympic project, no, nor walk. Uh, I, and the list goes on and there, and there's individuals as well. Our friend Larry does that. So, well, we're running out of time. This is, we, I think this is a subject that we should do another show on. Um, I, I think we just need to uh, get together with a bunch of people and start mapping out the plan. So if you're interested, you know, shoot us an email at monster X radio, uh, one at gmail.com. And, uh, let's, mm-hmm. we can get the ball rolling or the foot, <laughs> the ball, of the foot, the ball of the foot, Shane, up. Thanks buddy for, for, uh, chatting with me today. Uh, folks, we'll be back uh, next week with the brand new episode of monster X radio until then keep it squatchy and, but not too squatchy. Don't be making crap up.
thank you for joining Monster X Radio 